Dream Life Worship Center in Randallstown, Maryland, is an uplifting church, helping people live their dreams and fulfill their purpose by following the Word of God. Enjoy this message. To the Word of the Lord, we're going to go in Luke chapter number 5, verses 17 through, 17 through 19. Thank you, uh, Minister Jay, for your uh, worship leadership. You're asking to sing a song. He's going to sing something we got to learn on the spot. Amen. He didn't sing, uh, 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 Jesus loves me, this I know. Come on. He just, you know, we took us right to choir rehearsal. But that's all right. The Spirit of the Lord, hallelujah, is here, and we worship the Lord. Thank God for the worship team and for the music ministry. Luke chapter number 5, verses 17 through 19. And then we're also going to go to John, the gospel according to John, verses um, chapter number 1, verse 12. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through, um, I, I misread that, verses 17 through 26. Luke 5, 17 through 26, and John 1 and 12. And I think I have the New King James versions here, here, and it reads as follows. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a bed, a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in, and they lay before him. 19, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the mist before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of God, Son of Man, has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they all were amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear or wonder, saying, we have seen strange things today. John 1 and 12 says, to as many as received him, he gave them power to become, power to change, power to become 
Somebody say that power to become sons and daughters of God, even to those that believe on his name. Amen. You can take your seat in for a subject. I want to talk to you this morning about the four C's of change. Four C's of change. Change is one of the most challenging things we have to do in life. Change is, is difficult. It, 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 it brings us into places that are uncomfortable. Uh, it is sometimes scary. Uh, sometimes it is something that we fight against because it is unusual and it causes us to step out of the places and the spaces where we have found the most comfort. Change means that you you replace with something or you make a switch or you, uh, you become different. But Jesus's idea of change is more, uh, it, it, it digs deeper than that. It's not as surface, it's just redecorating or rearranging or repainting. When we talk about being changed in the image of his dear son, we're speaking more about transformation. Not so much as an external change or cosmetic change or an aesthetic change, like we change our hair or we change our clothes or we change our nail color or we redecorate our living room. Come on, somebody. How many men come home and your wife then already changed around all the chairs and the couches? It's not about changing the curtains and the pillows, and those things are nice. Those are external. They're aesthetic. They make us feel different. They make us feel good. When you got a new haircut, when you come from the barbershop, you feel good. When you get a haircut, when you get a new hair color, ladies, come on. When you get a new girl, you feel good. When you change your, yeah, you, come on. When you get a new girl, you feel good. When you change your outfit or you get a new pair of shoes, you feel good. Those are all cosmetic. Those are external. But when Jesus encounters people throughout the gospel, he dealt with internal transformation, the kind of transformation that lasts, the kind of transformation that is eternal, the kind of transformation that is perhaps even destined destiny changing. Not just the kind of transformation that we received at the cross, at the cross where we first saw the light and the burdens of our hearts rolled away. That's wonderful. It was there by faith that we first received our sight. Come on. And now the songwriter says we are happy all the day. That is the beginning. That is the ultimate. That is the epitome of change. And yet when we are born again, we continue to go through process and metamorphosis and transformations with all the things in our soul, in our lives that need to be cultivated and developed into his image and to become image bearers. Are you with me? Somebody said that what is necessary to change a person is to change the awareness of himself. 
That is the first step. I'm getting to the four C's, but that's the first step is that when, when change is about to take place or in order for change to take place, there has to be a change in my awareness of myself. In other words, I've got to recognize there are some things, some areas, some spaces, and some places that need to change. There's nothing more frustrating than being in relationship with somebody, glory to God, who doesn't realize that they need to change. Have you ever talked to somebody? Come on, your mama, your daddy, your, your baby, your, your, your husband, your, your BFF, and you're saying to yourself, sis, bro, you're, the most, com you're the, the most common denominator in all of these scenarios. You need to change. Well, Abraham Maslow, the famous psychologist who created the hierarchy of needs, he says you cannot change unless you first know that you need to change. And when Jesus encountered people, he was not even talking about uh, to them in terms of managing change. We have to learn how to manage change, too. No, he's talking deeper. He's talking about being and becoming sons and daughters of God. He's talking about us changing into image bearers or us becoming branches, us becoming branches from the truth vine or for us to become fruit bearers come on somebody and glory carriers those are the kind of changes Jesus allowed to happen when he encountered people he changes us so that you and I will become change agents and so when we consider God's idea of change, we must know that Jesus stands out in history as the most effective change agent ever recorded. His encounters with people were intentional. His encounters with us are supernatural. And throughout the uh, Gospels, his encounters with people were transformative. Jesus' encounters with people were focused, they were therapeutic, they were goal-oriented, and, and for the most part, throughout all of the Gospels, Jesus' encounters with individuals primarily directed them at moving a person out of their earthly view to a supernatural view. Every time, come on, he encountered somebody, every time he encounters you, he shifts our view. You. He shifts our perspective. He shifts the way we process things, the way we think about things, and therefore he shifts the final result into an image that looks more like him than we look like when we first started out. And so when we look at the Gospels, as we move throughout the Gospels, we can see the four C's of change. When God deals with us concerning transformational change, there are four C's that God touches. There are four C's that God deals with. In almost every encounter, he deals with the crisis, he deals with the crutch, he deals with the crowd, and he deals with the critic. And not only in the Gospels, but in your life, in your story, in your journey, he deals with your crisis, he deals with my crutch, he deals with my crowd, and he deals with my critic.
And sometimes in his dealing with our critic, he not only deals directly with our critics like he did with the woman who was caught, remember, with her boo when she was caught and he turned directly and dealt with her critics. Sometimes when God begins to deal with our critics, he gives us the power and the boldness, come on, and the, and the ability to face people and to face things that we were unable to, to face before we had a change encounter with him. And so we know that crisis is defined as a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. I know you didn't need a definition for that because all of us have encountered our own crises in life. Yes, we have. We've all dealt with grief. We've all dealt with pain. We've all dealt with disappointment. We've all dealt with uh, betrayal. We have all dealt with things that have caused us a trauma in life. Some of us have gone through divorces. Some of us have dealt with abuse. Some of us have uh, uh, struggled with addictions. Come on. Some of us have, have dealt with losing uh, financially and you losing jobs. And, and, and some of us have dealt with foreclosures and, and, and coming out and your car is gone. Come on, somebody. Some of you have dealt with family drama and disconnections and estrangement from your loved ones, your parents, or from your children. And so crisis, Christians are no strangers strangers to crisis. But every time Jesus encountered someone, he dealt with their crisis. And the reason why he has to deal with our crisis is because our crisis produces crutches. Our crisis produce crutches. So we see in the text that there in this man in Luke chapter, like chapter 5 that the Bible says he was paralyzed. He was paralyzed. That was his crisis. His crisis was, come on, dig a little deeper. His crisis was that he was not able to move forward. His crisis was that he was not, uh, not only able, not able to move, but his crisis was that he was unable to feel and some of us have gone through such trauma that not only, hallelujah, not only are we not able to move forward in some areas of our life, but not only that, now we are numb and we're unable to feel. We're, uh, we're numb in some areas. We, we, come on, we're disconnected. There's no joy that can get through to you in some areas. There's no peace. You're just, you're numb to it. Have you ever felt like you were numb? in some areas of your life and so this man like you and I his crisis caused him not to be able to move forward and not only that he no longer had feeling in certain areas somebody today I want to prophesy to you that God is going to touch you and change you in such a way that you're going to be able to feel in areas that you've not been able to feel in a long time. Come on. Your feeling is coming back. Your, your joy is coming back. Come on. Your happiness and your peace is coming back to some areas. So I want you to wiggle. Come on. Your spiritual toes. Come on. I want you to wiggle your spiritual fingers as a sign and a symbol that my feeling is coming back. 
So he deals with this crisis of this man who, who was unable to move and crisis, his crisis, his crisis developed a crutch. And that's what happens in the text. His crutch was his bed. Come on. He had to lean and depend on his bed because his crisis caused him to need, hallelujah, the bed in order to give him some sort of comfort. Now, I know y'all not going to leave me by my myself in this. Huh? Do you recognize that some crises in your life have created crutches? Hallelujah. Jesus is coming for the crisis and he's coming for the crutch. Glory to God. Some of your crises had you leaning on some things that have done you no good. Come on. Some of our crises have caused us to lean and depend on some things that have not served our best interests. Is it just me? Some relationships, some friends, some decisions that we have made because we were in a crisis and it created a crutch. And so when Jesus, hallelujah, when he encounters us, he got to deal with our crutches. Why? Because he is the master change agent. He doesn't leave any area of our life untouched. He doesn't leave any area areas of our lives uh, under the cover. So not only does he see you, glory to God, in uh, your crisis, uh, he sees your crutch. And then uh, he brings you an awareness that there are times um, that your crisis uh, creates a crutch, but there are also times that your crutch becomes your crisis. I wish somebody would say amen to that. There are times, do you hear what I said, that your crutch actually becomes your crisis. In other words, I'm on the other side of this crisis now, hallelujah, but I'm now dealing with the addiction that I developed trying to come out of my crisis. Oh, he's coming for it all. Somebody say he's coming for it all. The change agent is coming for it all. So I made it to the other side of my heartbreak. Come on. I, I made it to the other side of my disappointment. But now every time I turn around, I'm leaning on something or someone, glory to God, that has become a crisis in and of itself. Now, every time you do it, you're wondering, how did I get involved with this? Now, every Every time you pick it up, you're saying, how did I become this person? I love the Lord and I know he brought me out of this, but now I cannot put this down. Some of you believers, I'm talking to some believers. Some of you believers, your crisis has created a crutch and now your crutch has become your crisis. But I came to prophesy to you this morning, even you that are strong. I came to prophesy to you this morning that God is coming to deliver you not only from your crisis, but he's coming to identify your crutch, hallelujah, and deliver you from crutches and crises. Somebody say, come on, Jesus. Come on through here. Come on through here. So when Jesus encounters us, he raises our level of awareness. 
to the extent that we can see that he brought us out of a crisis and then he shows us our crutch and he shows us how our crutch has become our crisis and he shows us how now we need glory to God to be set free from the crutch that became a crisis and for some of us come on for some of us religion has become our crutch come on for some of us we're too spiritual we don't have any come on somebody everything is a devil everything is a demon everything is demonic come on uh, everything is warfare everything is not a devil I want to announce to you uh, everything is not not everything is not even warfare. Some of it comes from your core belief system. Hallelujah. It is called the law of attraction. I know y'all scared of that because uh, new age has taken it over, but I want you to know it's called the law of attraction. Uh, so everything is warfare. Everything the devil is on my track. No, no, no. Uh, some things you just need to raise your level of positivity. Come on, somebody. Some of things you need to focus on the one. Glory to God who is higher than that glory to God some of us need to think on some things that are good and pleasant come on and a good report and you watch how things begin to change in your life he's coming for crutches and then in his text you he deals with crowds throughout the gospels Jesus deals <laughs> with our crowd because as a master change agent he sees the entire systems around an individual that causes them to be who they are and yes he does he sees he looks at come on he looks at all of the ideals all of uh, their family relationships all of their history he deals with uh, the entire system that we are involved in he deals with our environment he deals with the people and the influences in our lives he deals with the rules and the rituals and the ideals that govern our lives and our relationships why because he realizes hallelujah that all of these things make us who we are that's why the scripture declares judge not lest you be judged with the same measure of judgment that you you put out there in other words it's difficult to judge when you just look at what somebody's doing it's difficult to judge when you just look at behavior because you don't understand the entire system that a person is involved in hallelujah those of you who go through sensitivity and diversity training come on and cultural awareness training they teach you that when you look at a child or when you look at a teenager or when you look at a patient you've got to approach the entire system glory to God that they are influenced by in order to properly treat them and I'm so glad that Jesus glory to God looks at the entire system of my life I'm so glad that he just doesn't have a picture that I posted on Instagram glory to God to make his decisions about me I'm so glad that he didn't look just at my last Facebook post glory to God hallelujah in order to figure out how to bless me I'm so glad that he knows my name somebody say it 
He knows my name. He knows the psalmist said my down sitting and he knows my uprising. He knows my coming in and he knows my going out. And then he said, no matter where I am mentally or emotionally, David said, if I rise to the uttermost parts of the sea, he said, even there, Jesus, you are with me. But wait a minute. When I'm depressed, when I'm low, when I'm down, when I'm hurting, he said, even if I make my bed in hell, you are with me. I'm so glad Jesus knows my name. So he deals with the environment. He deals with the, 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 he deals with the crisis and the crutch and the crowd. And then he deals also with the critic. He deals with the critic. A critic, you know, you have critics in your life. They always have something negative to say. They always express un an unfavorable opinion of you and I. They always deal with stuff, come on, point out, a, 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 a nitpicking and always have something to say. You got anybody in your life like that? Always have something to say. Come on, passive aggressive. Come on, low-key shady. Did you hear what I said? Uh, always got something to say. Come on. Uh, you can't prove it in the court of law, but you know in your know that they shady, right? Uh, every time you in their presence, they got something to say. And so here in the text, uh, it shows us that Jesus wants it all. Come on. Uh, he comes to set us free from the crisis and the crutch uh, and then that whole cycle of that. And then he deals with our a crowd and then he deals with our critic and so here in Luke 5 we find that Jesus by the way Jesus was not afraid of breaking the rules by the way Jesus was not afraid of being anti-religious in that day. I don't care how they make the pretty paintings of Jesus. Jesus was actually a rebel. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus was eccentric and Jesus was out of the box. Glory to God. Jesus did what was unexpected and what glory to God. Hallelujah was out of order was out of religious order in that day so the Bible says that it happened on a certain day he was teaching and he already knew that the critics the Pharisees glory to God the critics hallelujah teachers of the law they were sitting close by the Bible said they came out of every town Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem hallelujah and the Bible says he showed up and taught and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The Bible says in verse 18 that behold, there was a man brought on a bed. There's the crutch and he was paralyzed. There's his crisis whom they sought to bring and lay before him. The Bible says in verse 19, they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. And so they went up in the housetop and let him down through the roof. You all remember that from vacation 
Bible school, right? That I want to talk about your crowd for just a moment. I like, I like, I like what I see in this text. This man had a crisis, but his crowd was not going to allow him to remain in his crisis. You got to get a crowd around you. Come on, somebody. You need a tribe. Somebody say, I need a tribe. I need a crowd around me is who's going to make sure that even if I can't do it by myself, they're going to make sure that I get to Jesus. Oh, yes. That's the kind of crowd that we need. We need the kind of crowd that's going to make sure when I don't have the strength on my own that you're going to make sure that I get to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Some people, hallelujah, they'll just watch you suffer. Some people will just watch you wane away. Hallelujah. Because there's some kind of perverted pleasure that some people get from watching me not make it. But I came to prophesy to you today that God is upgrading your crowd. Did you hear what I said? God is upgrading your tribe. Did you hear what I said? God is upgrading your relationship relationships. Uh, some of the people that you used to cry over. Hallelujah. I'm going to reach back. Come on uh, to Mary Mary and declare to you that you have cried uh, your last tear uh, yesterday. My God, uh, some relationships uh, just do not serve you well. Uh, I was walking through the airport yesterday uh, and I told Siri to call somebody. Uh, I want you to know sometimes y'all can't trust Siri. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you can't trust Siri because sometimes Siri don't hear what you say right and then she talk back to you like you said it wrong and really she just didn't get it right. Did you hear me? And so I was walking through the airport yesterday to the parking garage and I told Siri to call somebody. I said, I'm not going to say it because my iPad going to do it. I said, hey, you know who? Glory to God. Hey, you know who? Call such and so. And so I got on the elevator to the parking garage so there was a little bit of interference. And by the time I got out of the elevator, somebody was saying, hello, Linyar Berry. Well, that let me know right away, glory to God, that I had dialed the wrong number. Come on, somebody. <laughs> hello, Linyar Berry. I ain't been Berry in a long time, and I give God the glory. And so I ended up on a phone call with somebody who I have not been in a relationship in a long time. Why? because that relationship did not serve me well. Well, I didn't want to be rude. You know how we do. Sometimes uh, we need a little bit more boldness than we walk in. I didn't want to be rude and say, I really didn't mean to call you, and I don't even know why your number is still in my phone. Uh, oh, I hope she's not watching, but that's what I really wanted to say. Uh, I don't even know, hallelujah, how you're still in my contacts. Uh, and that's what I want to prophesy to you today. Uh, some people, it's time for you to remove uh, out of your contacts. Glory to God. Not only out of your context, but out of your context. Did you hear me? I want you to receive that. So I end up on a 20 minute conversation with somebody I didn't want to talk to. Glory to God. Somebody who did not serve me well. And when I got off the phone, I said, my God, thank you for removing them out of my context. 
Somebody today, you're wondering why you're still weighed down in some areas. You're wondering why, glory to God, it seems like you cannot accomplish some things. Some of those things are hidden in your crowd. This man in this text, he had a crowd that would go for broke for him. And that's what you've got to do. You don't need a whole lot of people. You just need a few people that are not afraid of the devil. Did you hear what I said? You don't need a whole lot of people. You just need one or two people who know how to call him up, call him up, and tell him what you want. Now, come on, somebody. I don't need a whole lot of friends. I just need somebody to help me when I go to talking crazy crazy. Uh, anybody else in the room, you talk crazy sometimes. Uh, I need some people uh, in my tribe that know how to pull me back in. Uh, help me get realigned. Uh, help me get back on track. Uh, help me to think right. Sometimes your mind just don't be right. Uh, I know that's not proper grammar. <laughs> oh, but sometimes your mind just don't be right. Uh, and you need a tribe of people uh, to remind you uh, you are the righteous of God. Hallelujah. You need a tribe of people to remind you the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall do great exploits. You need a tribe around you to remind you glory to God. Eyes have not seen nor have ears heard the good things that God has in store for you. The scripture says that these men they made sure that their friend was not left out of the presence of the Lord. They made sure that whatever they had to do for him to get to Jesus, they sacrificed. You remember Abraham? at the bottom of that mountain and the people around him were asking him hallelujah they were asking him when are we going to go up and Abraham already knew they could not go up the mountain with him yes God is dealing with your crowd because he realizes that your crowd has influence your crowd has your ear your crowd has your heart and your crowd has your attention. So here they are. They say, wait a minute, bro. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We know you can't move, but we're going to help you. We're going to help you get to where you have to go. Wait a minute. We know you don't have the power in yourself to deal, hallelujah, with the pressing of the people. So we're going to make sure that you get where you have to go. And the Bible says, hallelujah, they took him up on the roof. In other words, they took him to a higher place. Hallelujah, they took him to a higher dimension. You got to have some people, hallelujah, who know how to take you to a higher place. When you're having your pity party, some people who can take you higher, some people who can elevate your thinking, some people who can expand your mind. They took him higher. Somebody say, God, send me a tribe that will take me higher. The Bible says they took him up on the roof and they found a way to let him down through the roof so that he could get 
to Jesus. And the Bible says they could not find it at first, but they kept working. They let him down through the roof. The Bible says that it caught Jesus's attention. Their faith caused Jesus, hallelujah, to speak. Man, your sins are forgiven you. The Bible says, here comes the critics. Watch this. In verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who does he think he is? I want to tell you that is what critics do even now. Who does he think he is? When you begin to stand up in your purpose, people, glory to God, will begin to say, who do they think they are? When you begin to stand up in your anointing, glory to God, people, hallelujah, they will begin to say, who do you think you are? When you begin to stand up in your confidence, there's something about a confident woman and there's something about a confident man. Have you ever been in a room and somebody walks in and all the heads turn, glory to God, because of the way that they carry themselves. All the heads look around. They want to know who is this man? Who is this woman? Sometimes you think it's just the way they're dressed. No, no. Sometimes you think it may be the entourage that may be around them. No. It's what's coming from the inside of them. Glory to God that makes people say who is this? But then there's always a critic. Come on. Your Auntie Shay. Come on. Always a critic. I know her. I know him. Who do they think they are? Here they were. The Pharisees and the scribes. Who does he think he is to speak with such power? I want you to know that God is releasing today. Glory to God. A bonus upon his people uh, that you will speak and not back down. Glory to God. God is releasing uh, a word in your mouth. Glory to God. Uh, that you will speak and not fall back. Uh, God uh, is giving you an anointing uh, to walk in a new level of boldness. Uh, you better walk in it. Uh, everybody else is walking in it. Glory to God. Uh, God is anointing your tongue. Uh, glory to God. Uh, so that you will speak in the power of the language of heaven my God and it might not sound churchy you may be in a business deal but you're going to walk in the room and they're going to wonder who you are this is not for everybody because everybody's not ready and it's okay but for some of you who will dare to receive he said as many as received him he gave them power to become what does that mean glory to God what does that mean that means, uh, hallelujah, that just because uh, you are a believer, uh, it doesn't mean that you are a receiver. Uh, I want you to repeat that. Uh, just because uh, I'm a believer uh, doesn't mean I'm a receiver. He said it right there in the text. Uh, as many as believed him, uh, hallelujah, received him, uh, he gave them power to become. Uh, God uh, is giving us power 
power to become, but it happens at the ability and the level of how we receive him. Here he goes. Hallelujah. He deals with the crisis, and that's what he'll do. He deals with our trauma. Some of you need to go to counseling. Some of you need to go to therapy. Some of you need to go through deliverance. Some of you need to go through all three. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. And then you got you to gotta acknowledge your crutch. And then, hallelujah, you got to upgrade your crowd. And then you got to stand up to your critics. Jesus showed us how to do it. Glory to God. Jesus showed us how to do it. He said to his critics, he said, you're too religious. He said, you would rather, glory to God, me just tell the man your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. But I would rather operate in power in demonstration. This is a word to somebody. Sometimes they don't need you to quote a scripture to them. Oh my God. Sometimes, glory to God, they don't need you to anoint them with oil. Sometimes, glory to God, you just need to pat them on the shoulder and there be so much power in your left hand, glory to God, that things shift on the inside of them. Jesus said, I'm about power and demonstration. What is a word if there's no power with it? What is a sermon if there's no demonstration with it? He spoke to the critic and he told them, I understand my assignment. He said to the critic, I came, glory to God, to bring about a change. And anytime, hallelujah, you're faced with change, God is going to deal with all of these areas of your life. He said it in 1 John 1 and 12. He said, as many as received him, he gave them power to become sons of God, even to those that believe his name. The power to become, glory to God, doesn't stop at the cross, glory to God. The power to become, hallelujah, only is the beginning at the cross. Hallelujah. When you you give your life to God. Hallelujah. Your salvation is sealed according to the scripture until the day of redemption. But your transformation is just the beginning. That's why some of us can still be nasty and rude and saved. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's why some of us can be carnal and worldly and still saved because we are changing into his image. But here is the epitome of change is that we're able, glory to God, to receive him, to receive the power to become. The epitome of change is that we become. That is the epitome and the purpose of change is that we become, that we become God's greatest idea for us. Did you hear what I said? That we become what God had in his mind when he created us fearfully and wonderfully, that we become children of God. Hallelujah. We have to receive him. Hallelujah. In order for us to become, we become children of God. Hallelujah. So that we can have have the right and the authority and the privilege, hallelujah, of dominion. Change is about 
dominion. Did you hear what I said? Change is about taking dominion. That is what becoming sons and daughters. That is what transformation. That is what metamorphosis is about. It is about having dominion. It is about glory to God. Stepping into the fullness of what God has called us to do. When we become, when we receive him, he gives us the right, the right to become, the right to become free, the right to become healed, the right to become the righteousness of God. Come on, the right to prosper, the right to have the mind of God. Hallelujah, the right to live an abundant life in Christ, the right to have everlasting life, the right to peace. I'm talking about peace where your mama didn't have that kind of peace and your daddy struggled. I'm talking about peace. That is what he gives us the right to become. He, come, he gives us the right to become more like him in every area, in every way, in every situation, in every opportunity in every day in every step in every setting in every situation power to change to become that's what he gives us power to become because what is it to name his name and not have his power what is it to name his name and not walk in his authority? What is it to name his name, glory to God, and not understand my dominion? What is it to name his name, glory to God, and not have any demonstration of the name who we name? What is it? We, he gives us power to become, power to become. And I want you to know that becoming is not a destination. Becoming, glory to God, is an everyday process. Becoming is an everyday opportunity, glory to God, that the more and more and more the more you get of him the more you become like him yes the more you walk with him the more you become like him hallelujah and the more that you're closer to him the more you're able to recognize like Maslow says you're able to recognize where change is needed in your life can you agree that there are some areas of your life that still need to change. I hope I'm not by myself. There are some areas in my life that still need to change. There are some things in my personality that still need to change. They don't have to change, but they need to change. Glory to God. It's not a law thing. They don't have to. You can stay just the way you are, my God. But if you want to become, you need to change. Some things in your life need to change and today today there is an anointing hallelujah that is going to deal with your crisis there's anointing that's going to deal with your crutch some of you eat too much I said it I said it I said it and I won't take it back some of us eat too much some of us talk 
too much. Some of us smoke and some of us drink and some of us are addicted to things. Those are our crutches. Listen, I'm not judging you. I understand where you are. But Jesus came to deliver you from your crutch on today. He said, just like I delivered you from your crisis, I'm going to deliver you from your crutch. Somebody, can you receive that? Just like I delivered you from your crisis, I'm going to deliver you from your crutch. Glory to God. And then God is going to use your crowd, hallelujah, to hold you accountable. That's why, that's why, that's why you need a crowd. Because a crowd will hold you accountable to what God has set before you. My God. And then God, glory to God, is loosening your tongue. Glory to God to speak to your critics. To speak to your critics, you can stand to your feet. To speak to your critics. He's, he's emboldening you to speak to your critics. He's emboldening us to create some boundaries to where people can't talk to you any kind of way. You can't, you, you can't, you can't, you can't talk to me any kind of way. You cannot, you can't, you, you can't roll up on me like that. You can't, you can't speak to me condescending. You can't, you can't mishandle me because, listen to me, you can't mishandle me because when you mishandle me, then you got to deal with my daddy and you don't want to have to deal with my daddy. So take my word for it, you don't want to mishandle me. And some of you have been too meek and too mild and too humble and lowly because you think that when you create boundaries and when you use your voice, your voice glory to God that you're offending somebody as long as you allow people to mishandle and manipulate you as a matter of fact I bind the spirit of undercover manipulation in your life now in the name of the Lord Jesus hallelujah manipulating your mind and manipulating your emotions hallelujah and manipulating you so that they can have control over you I bind the very spirit hallelujah of Jezebel glory to God uh, that operates in secret manipulation and you have for so long have you thought I gotta stay humble uh, I declare to you today uh, that you've got to speak to your critics directly just like Jesus uh, and say what did you think I didn't have any power that's what Jesus told uh, the scribes and the Pharisees uh, did you think I was just gonna share a parable and I didn't have any power some of you it's time for you to speak to your critics some of it's time for you to use your voice. Some of you, it's time for you to, for you to speak up for yourself. Sometimes my 18-year-old say, Mommy, I'm 18. Now you don't have to, because you know I'll be ready. He said, what, who? Who said it? Where they at? What's their number? What's their address? She remind me, I'm 18, Mommy. You don't have to. Some of you got to. Remind yourself, I can speak up for myself. Because God is coming to change us, to transform us, for us to become sons and daughters of God. The whole creation, he quoted that scripture this morning, the entire creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. Somebody say, that's who I am. Lift your hands and just worship. I'm finished. Hallelujah. 
We'd like to thank you for listening to this life-changing message. We hope you enjoyed the word that was specifically prepared for you to hear today. You can send your monetary donation to our ministry online at www.dreamlifewc.com.